Welcome to the Debbie Debate. It's 9.30 Eastern time on a championship edition of the Debbie Debate. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Ace. And I'm Felix Sharp on an absolutely presidential version of tonight's show. What does Ohio State have to do to upset Alabama? Does Clemson have any skill position players outside of Trevor Lawrence and just uh, Trevor Lawrence and e- Travis Etienne that we should care about? And where does Devonta Smith rank in the pantheon of Heisman winners? But we start with Justin Fields' performance in the Rose Bowl game, a tradition like any other. Justin Fields, 22 for 28, 385 yards, six touchdowns, one interception, and a 99.0 QBR. Mr. Bruning, you are Debbie Debates, Mr. Buckeye. What was your reaction to Justin Fields' performance? Uh, That sounds like a damn good game right there. I I distinctly remember... Uh, some stuff going. Hang, oh, hang on, I, I actually have something for you. It, it'll remind you of a debate we had earlier this uh, this earlier a couple episodes ago. For the podcasting audience, I do apologize because you're not going to hear much audio here in a minute. But uh, please come onto the YouTube channel and enjoy this uh, next video. Outstanding game in the Boca Raton Bowl for Zach Wilson against UCF. Twenty six for. Th- 26 for 34, 425 yards, three touchdowns, adding two TDs on the ground. We're revisiting this question, Mr. Bruning. Should Zach Wilson be considered as an option for the number two overall pick in this upcoming draft and be the second quarterback drafted after Trevor Lawrence?
right, so if you guys couldn't tell by my reaction right there, it's an absolute joke. Justin Fields should go over Trevor Lawrence. It's not even a debate anymore. He outplayed him twice in the same game. I'm just kidding. I love Trevor Lawrence. No, Fields was amazing. I think he showed all of us exactly what we expected him to be. I've mentioned it to you guys off air and on air that I think the weirdness of this year, on again, off again in games, he hasn't been able to really have his full staff out there when he's playing. Fields was amazing. He's going to go and win a national championship, hopefully on Monday, if the game's not moved back. Nobody deserves to go over Justin Fields, and I honestly think Fields has now put himself back in the argument, at least to be up there with Trevor Lawrence. You're muted, Felix. I can't hear Felix at all. Uh Uh-oh. And he can't hear us, so... Yeah, he never checks the chat. Most people... There we go. Most of these he's thrown in the highest QB rating he's had in the game, uh, 257.6, which is different from the quarterback rating. 13.8 yards per attempt, second highest in his career in 2019. He did average 16.1 in a game against Rutgers. But let's not forget the leader that Justin Fields is. is. Let's not forget the We Want to Play campaign where he took on the mantle as the face of college football. Listen, you got your video highlights and all that stuff, but I said, that since the QB1 show, especially in the contrast with he and Spencer Rattler, I loved Justin Fields as a leader. I defended him after the Indiana game, and I said, if this is the floor for Justin Fields, sign me up for Justin Fields. He just played the best game of his career. He played the best game of of his career when he needed to. Austin, let me bring you in here. What are the implications? We didn't mention the broken ribs. Broken ribs for Justin Fields, obviously. He had to struggle to get through that game. What are the implications for his story for this game in the Rose Bowl in in writing Justin Fields' Ohio State story? Give me the historical context. Where is he amongst greatest collegiate performances? Austin, give me your take. So I'm not going to lie. I feel like if they lose on Monday that everyone kind of forgets about this game in the long term. You know, I feel like you he has to win this or else it's just a footnote and, you know, the Bama steamrolling of everybody in 2020. Um, it was a great performance. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what Clemson's defense was doing that whole game. Like, they just never adjusted to that deep ball at all. They just kept roasting them on it. Um, but that being said, I, I do think if Fields wins a national championship here, even with no Heisman trophy, I still think he he is remembered as a great, college football quarterback i mean he's not going to be in the pantheon of like a tim tebow maybe even though you know he's going to be very likely a better nfl player i don't think he'd be on that level but you know the tier below that i think he can easily slot in there but if they don't win then yeah i think he's just you know another guy that um you know becomes a good nfl player but we don't really remember his college career that much I, I, I do agree with that. He he does need to follow that up with a win. It, it would be huge. Bruning, does Justin Fields need to win a championship to reach the status of Archie Griffin, Chris Spielman, Eddie George? Yes. Uh, no, I take that back. No. I, I do think that he needs to 
what what Austin was just saying to win this game, I think it would be huge. I think he's already in that status with some of those guys with the the way that he performed in that game. Uh, you know, if you could tell at the end of that video, I did quite a lot of celebrating. Um, a- after that, I was uh, if you followed me on Twitter, you saw my reactions and everything last uh, last Friday night. I had a good time. It was a big game for us uh, as Buckeyes fans to get through that game to to get that monkey off our back. One thing that you said, Austin, and, and I'm, I'd be curious to see what you guys think. You said that they were having trouble adjusting to Justin Fields in the deep ball. And I wonder if some of that has to come through with what Ryan Day mentioned. I think he was on Wednesday or Thursday of last week where he said he felt like last year, Brent Venables and that defensive staff were stealing their signs. And that's how they knew what play they were running every time. If you watch the game and I went back and rewatched it on Monday, they were rushing to the line. And if they weren't getting the playoff right then and there, they waited till about four seconds left on the clock before, or five seconds. You see fields make a few adjustments, 10 seconds, and then they got the playoff. They didn't do what they did last year where they were making plays and doing everything else. So I wonder if maybe that's part of the reason why they weren't able to adjust to it. And again, I think it was just something Felix said too. He played by far the best game we have seen him play on, on in college. And I think a lot of that comes from, the doubt that everybody was slinging his way about not even being, you know, better than my grandmother out on the college football field the past couple of weeks because of his losses to Northwestern and, or not losses, the way he played versus Northwestern in Indiana. So, Bruning, you and I have had this discussion several times on this show. Austin, you're the neutral, rational third party here. Would you take Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence? And what, if any, impact uh, does Fields' Rose Bowl performance have on your position? I, I wouldn't take him over Lawrence. Um, and it's not like there's not even a situational change that could happen, like at the top of the draft. Like, I think the Jags and the Jets are kind of just, you know, even. You know what I mean? I don't really like if one of them goes one place, it doesn't put, you know, adjust those rankings at all. Um, where I think we're going to start hearing about this, like, you guys know how much of the draft is narrative, at least with the media leading up to this. If Fields wins this weekend, I feel like the narrative quickly shifts from Justin Fields was struggling for those couple games to a, like you said, Matt, Justin Fields just beat Trevor Lawrence for the second time in as many tries in an important game and then slayed mighty Alabama. And I think we're going to see like, if he wins this game, whether he like, I, even if he goes out and throws like 10 touchdowns and is like, you know, perfect in this game and they win, I still don't think I'd bump him above Lawrence, but, but that narrative is going to go that direction a hundred percent. So I'm kind of hoping that doesn't happen because I just don't want to hear about that all offseason. I, I didn't want to hear about Zach Wilson being better than Fields for the past six weeks, but I had to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Any implications, Matt, for Trevor Lawrence's per, uh, performance not being able to pull out the victory? 33 for 48, 400 yards, 8.3 yards attempt uh, per attempt, two touchdowns, one interception, so a good statistical game. But are there any overall implications for him? Hmm. Yeah, we realize that he can compile really well. He can compile those stats in a bad game, and good for him. He's going to be a great, uh, you know, garbage time quarterback, kind of like uh, Blake Bortles. Both, uh, he's not going to go to. Oh wait, he is going to Jacksonville. Man, Blake Bortles and the next Trevor Lawrence. No, I'm just kidding. He he played good. Uh, you know, I think. There's really nothing you can take away from that. He, he, It was just one of those games. Ohio State had their number. Again, I think that Ohio State had their number last year. Yes, Trevor Lawrence did a lot on the ground, but I think passing-wise, he looked just, I don't want to say bad, uncomfortable maybe in that game. And, and 
I know I saw a lot of people saying, well, he didn't have the wide receivers around him. Well, if you go back again and look at last year, he had T. Higgins and Justin Ross, and he he looked just the same as he did in that last game. I think it's just one of those things where every quarterback, I think, has that team that just kind of gives them trouble, and I think that might be Ohio State for, uh, for Trevor Lawrence. No, the performance doesn't do anything for me. He's still the number one overall pick. I still think he's going to be a phenomenal NFL quarterback. It's just, like I said, one of those games, in my opinion. My takeaway from the game has been there is a player that no one has been talking about or not talking about enough, and that's Jamison Williams. 6'2", 188 pounds, uh, ran a a 10-6, 100-yard dash in high school. He's got length and speed and size, and he keeps making big plays, averaging 17.6 yards for his career. And listen, they only played six games. He's third on the team in receiving to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He's playing ahead of the the highly touted freshman. We are not considering how good Jamison Williams could be. Uh, Alan True, who we talked about before uh, the show I went to college with, Alan uh, of 24-7 Sports, he compared um, uh, Jamison Williams to Will Fuller. Now, Will Fuller is what, 5'11"? We're talking about a six foot two, 180 eight pound wide receiver who has the length and has the speed and keeps making plays. I, I just uh, did a C2C startup and I made sure that I had Jamison Williams on my team. He's just someone that I really am targeting right now. I want to go to another player, another unsung hero. And I'll toss it back to you, Matt. That's Trey Sermon. Yeah. He's the reason that they won that big 10 championship game with 300 yards Another 31 attempts for 193 yards in the Rose Bowl game, one touchdown, adding four receptions for 61 yards. we He's not a name that we've talked about as far as his 2021, where he ranks amongst r- r- running backs. What is his upside in the NFL? What can he be? RB1, there's no question about it. Oh, my God. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. He's, he's RB5 for me right now. Um, So I, I'm not going to read this whole thing. I, I mentioned to you guys uh, before we started the show off air that I got a text from someone uh, who was talking about this with Trey Sermon who ended up talking to uh, his trainer, R- Richard Whitfield, and talked about why maybe we did not see this out of Trey Sermon earlier in the year. And he said a lot of it he felt came off of his mentality. Earlier in the year, coming off that ACL injury, He note, and he's noticed it with a lot of players, that it kind of killed their spirit. That grueling kind of rehab you have to go through to get to that spot. And if you guys remember, coming into the year when he transferred to Ohio State, he was the presumed starter because Master Teague had the Achilles injury. So everybody thought it was going to be Trey Sermon going out there. Then the Big Ten canceled the season, postponed it, came back, all that stuff. And by that time, Master Teague was healthy again and knew the offense. He also said that he feels like the 2RB system is not a good approach, not just for Sermon, but for Teague as well. Both of these guys are volume-based runners. They need to get the ball and get moving. And earlier in the year, we didn't see that. They were giving that volume to Master Teague. If you, if you watch the drives, it was like Teague, 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 then Sermon out there for three plays, and then Teague again for a whole another quarter, and Sermon wasn't able to get that under him. Uh, and then lastly, and I'll, I'll retweet it out if you guys follow me, and I'll, I'll have the show retweeted out. Uh, he's been working with uh, a guy who's been getting a lot of love here as of late, the uh, the footwork king, right? The guy who trains Odell, all those other wide receivers, cornerbacks. He's been working with Trey Sermon, which I had no idea about, and they have kind of been talking back and forth through DMs lately. Uh, I think Trey Sermon is showing us what he would have been all season had the Big Ten started on time, and he got his chance to play. Uh, he's a guy who I think had a lot of upside at Oklahoma, and we're now starting to get to see that with Ohio State. You know, 
Do I think he's as high as those top guys in this class? No, but I, I think now with what I'm seeing here, I think for me it's safe to say that he's at the top of my tier two of this running back class. From, from oh, go ahead, Burn. Oh, go ahead, Austin. I was, I mean, I literally wrote down like almost that same exact, um, you know, spiel about him. I think he, like, if you look, that's I, I brought up his, I looked at all of his game logs throughout his entire career. The games where he got like at least 15 carries, he's averaging like eight and a half yards per carry. Like, he, he just, he is one of those guys that just needs to get going. Um, and it makes him appear inconsistent on tape. Like, I, I, I evaluated him at Oklahoma because I thought he might go to the draft last year. And I just said like, he's very inconsistent. And I didn't even notice the, the, the carries correlation until I went to prepare for, for this show. And I was like, Holy crap. Like there's definitely something to this. Um, he's my RB five right now as well. Um, I, I like him. I think he can be a, a, I think he can lead an NFL backfield, but I think his more likely career trajectories, he's going to be a guy that's like a one, a one B. And I think that's a great career for him. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent with that. And we're talking about the third, fourth round, or can he squeeze into the second round? I think third round probably because of, because of the backs going ahead. Like I know a lot of people think Etienne and Harris are going to go round one. I don't think they do. I think no. both go round two. So if those two go round two, you know, I still have Javante ahead of Etienne. So I imagine he's two or three. So if 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 you're seeing Williams not go to round two or three, I, I don't see how Sermon goes ahead of him. Maybe if he goes out there and runs three hundred yards on Bama, that maybe he jumps. Javante, but I kind of feel like he's going to be right behind them. Like I would still probably take Jamar. I'm, I'm bigger on Jamar than I am Trey Sermon, uh, but I could see Sermon jumping Jamar in the draft, but I think round three probably would be the highest I, I would think he'd go. I, kind of a last takeaway from that Rose Bowl game is I look at uh, Clemson's skill position players outside of Trevor Lawrence, outside of Travis Etienne. Who would you want in a C2C league on the NFL side of your rosters, we've got Cornell Powell, who led the team in receiving with eight receptions for 300 or for 139 yards. And then, you know, Amari Rogers, I think EJ Williams, the freshman, might be the most attractive option there because we don't know what his ceiling is yet. But I don't think that Powell's ceiling is relatively high at the next level. And and I like Amari Rogers as a some you know as a utility guy, but he's a East West Shrine game invite. To me, that means he's a day three pick. I think he actually got both invitations. But when you get a, a, an East-West Shrine game invite, to me, that means that the NFL isn't really high on you. I, I And he's, you know, the running back wide receiver hybrid. Uh, is there anybody uh, on this depth chart, again, outside of, of DJ Uyagalele and, and Travis Etienne that people should care about for, uh, at the next level? I do think this is a bit of a trick question because if Justin Ross comes back, like if he's clear to play, then I want him a lot. Um, I just traded for him in a league because um, I, I think it's inevitable that he he comes back. They're t- the way they're talking makes me think that he is. Um, I agree. Like I, I, th- I see a lot of Devin DuVernay in Amari Rogers. I think that's like the range he's going to go in in next year's draft. And I think that's about the kind of player he's going to be. Um, the only other guy, and it's really hard because he doesn't have a breakout and the position is just so hard to predict anyway. But I, I kind of like Braden Galloway's athletic ability. I mean, he, I mean, it, it, with the tight end position, all we want anyway is like, you know, just a big athletic, uh, you know, marble slab that we can try to, you know, form into something decent in the NFL. So 
he's a guy where I, I might, you know, in the C2C, if he comes back next year, I'll probably take him, you know, 25, 30 rounds in and drafts if he's still there and, and, you know, cross my fingers and maybe he becomes something. Yeah, for me, it's just EJ Williams, like you mentioned, Felix. I, I mean, I, Pal, I mean, while he punked Sean Wade all day long, I, I don't know if he really does that in, in the NFL. I know he got an invite to the Senior Bowl, so I'll, I'm, I'll be intrigued to see what he does there. Uh, you know, ETN, we already know what he's going to be. Amari Rogers, I think, is probably a better version of Hunter Renfro at the next level. So, I mean, decent for fantasy, probably good for an NFL team, but not a guy you're really looking at all the time. So, EJ Williams has made some really good catches as a freshman out there. I'll be really intrigued to see what he does with uh, – I'm just going to call him DJ because I always mess up his last name – with DJ moving forward, uh, especially next year. But uh, he's probably the only one that I'm really taking a deep look at. I mean, if you can get Brandon Galloway, like like Austin said, 30 rounds into a C2C, I'd probably do that because I tend to punt tight end C2C leagues anyway. So if you can get a guy like that in round 30 – in the 30s or 40s, and possibly he projects to do something in the NFL, I, I, I could probably see me see myself doing that. All right, we'll get back to our analysis of the ch- next week's championship game in a minute, but we want to talk a little bit about last night. Devonta Smith, as expected, taking home the Heisman, only the third, third receiver to do it. Uh, 447 first-place votes for 1,856 points. Trevor Lawrence was second with 1,187 points. He had an outstanding season, 105 receptions for 1,641 yards and 20 touchdowns. I mean, he just was not somebody that could be covered. I wonder, when we think about Heisman trophies, we think about you know some of the great performances and some of the Heisman trophy winners that were you know maybe a little more disappointing – where does Devonta Smith rank? Is he on the Ricky Williams, Lamar Jackson, Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson scale, or is he, you know, somewhere on the Jason White side of the spectrum? Where will he be remembered in the pantheon of Heisman winners? Either one of you, go ahead. It's, it's all you, Austin. I mean, all I have to say, I just thought this year was a weak Heisman class as a whole. There was no one this year. Like I, I thought that that Smith should win it. I thought he was clearly the best player in college football this year, but looking at, I just thought, yeah, I just looking at the slate of guys to choose from, I just didn't think it was particularly strong class uh, to take nothing away from Devonta. Cause I, like I said, I'm very happy he won it. And I think he was the most deserving guy, but I don't think he's anywhere in the class of um, the, some of those guys you just listed now. I, I mean, I, I would say he's gotta be up there with, with the guys like, Desmond Howard and Charles Woodson. Uh, it's very rare for for wide receivers to win it. And he, while you can say, obviously, Trevor Lawrence had a full season. They they had what one game canceled. Now, I know he had COVID for two games, but outside of that, he just he didn't play that good. You know, Fields. We saw him play magnificently last week. We saw him struggle earlier. Now, was that COVID? We don't know. Obviously, he didn't have a full season. But outside of of Trevor Lawrence, who didn't even come close, he got less than half the votes of Devonta Smith. Nobody came close to Devonta Smith. So I think the, the year that he put up uh, with a quarterback that a lot of people say is not that good against SEC defenses where say what you want about them not being what they used to be. They're still widely considered most of the best defenses in college football. And if he goes up against Ohio State on Monday night, who we just saw shut down Trevor Lawrence in that offense, if he goes out there and does the same thing again, uh, you can't say that he it doesn't deserve to be grouped in with those with those guys. You know, when I think about Heisman winners, I think about great performances that they had. And so 
at least for, for me, you know, Lamar Jackson, I, I can remember when Ricky Williams broke the record. I remember watching that game. And so that just sticks out for me. Uh, Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, I always thought that they ran behind just lines that opened up holes for them. And it, you know, they just put up stats. Devonta Smith, he, man, he made some plays this season, especially that LSU game, uh, over 200 yards. It just couldn't, he had the one handed touchdown. I mean, I will remember Devonta Smith balling out um, this year, and he may be remembered as the the player who won the Heisman above Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I remember, I distinctly remember the Charles Woodson uh, Heisman Trophy uh, finalists. It was Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Randy Moss, and Ryan Leaf, those four. So um, I think that when we look back, we will look back and say uh, Devonta Smith he took a Heisman from Tre- from Trevor Lawrence and and deservedly so and de- deservedly so in my opinion. Let's get to that championship game. I think the last I saw, not considering Jalen Waddle, that Ohio State was a nine point underdog or something like that. Matt, what is it going to take for Ohio State to pull off this upset? <sighs> Their best game, uh, and, and I mean. Mac Jones is not Trevor Lawrence, and, and we saw what they were able to do by putting Trevor uh, pressure on Trevor Lawrence. They didn't even let him really get running outside of the pocket. So what they're going to have to do is try and slow down Najee Harris and throw four guys on Devonta Smith and hope that nobody else beats you. I mean, I, I don't – it's going to be a shootout. Justin Fields is going to have to come out there and have his best game again. He's going to have to play exactly like he did against Clemson, and even then I think it's going to take a lot. My one thing I will say – for Ohio State is we saw Florida back in the SEC game, and there was somebody else. Was it Ole Miss, I think, or Mississippi State? One of those uh, teams. I think it was Mississippi's. No, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, I think, took Alabama to the wire. They put up points on that defense and stayed competitive with them. I think it's fair to say Ohio State has a better team than both of those teams. So if they can do what those guys did, I, I do think that they can keep it in the game. I do think Ohio State's going to win the game. My biggest concern, if I'm being honest, is the rumors that there's been like four defensive linemen who have tested positive for COVID. Because if that's the case, Ohio State's screwed. Because if they can't get any pressure on Mac Jones, he's going to be able to sit back there and pick him apart because I think he's got a great football IQ. He's going to hit the wide open receiver, even if they double Devonta Smith. And all I'm saying is, Kerry Combs, if you watch this, please, dear God, do not put Sean Wade on Devonta Smith. Put anybody else, anybody else on Devonta Smith. Do not put Sean Wade. Yeah, I think I, I really think Ohio State has to just pound the ball too. Like I, I think Trey Sermon and Teague probably, I think they both have to have huge games. Um, like 250 plus yards rushing between the two of them. Uh, because otherwise, you know, Bama can Bama it's it's like that quick strike offense. You know, they they'll hit something so quick. And I don't think Ohio State wants to get in that kind of game where you're it's a heavyweight fight and you're just punching each other in the face over and over again until somebody falls down. I, I don't think Ohio State has the guys to run with Bama like that. Um, some Ohio State teams have in the past. This year's team isn't one of them. So I think unless unless they get that running game going, because Bama's run defense isn't that great this year. I mean, what they're traditionally pretty stout up front, but they're I think PFF has them ranked at like the 36th ranked rush defense in the country. Um, and that probably matches up with about with what I've watched. I mean, I, they just aren't very impressive. So, yeah, I think I think they need to come out early and just kind of ram it down their throat. Yeah, to, to add on to Austin's point really quick is – 
Exactly what Ohio State did to kick off that third quarter. Uh, when they got the ball back, they went on an eight-minute drive against Clemson, and it was almost all running. Now, some of that I'm sure had to do with fields and the ribs, but they killed that, and that kind of killed the momentum, and then they took those shots. I think that's exactly what they have to do and what Austin's saying because if they start moving up on that and then Olave's able to get over, get over top of that defense, Fields is going to hit him deep just like he did on that little uh, cut up there at the beginning of this episode. This game reminds me of the 2007 Patriots-Giants game. The Patriots offense was that historic record-setting offense where you had Randy Moss and Tom Brady and Dante Stallworth and Wes Welker. What the Giants did to win that game was put pressure on Tom Brady right in his face. Michael Strahan, O.C. Numenora, Justin Tuck. I think they called that D-line the race car D-line where they they had four D, uh, defensive ends uh, uh, rushing the passer. That's what it's going to take for Ohio State to win this game. you got to get pressure on Mac Jones, who is a traditional drop-back passer. Put pressure on him, and then you got a chance. But I don't know if Ohio State has the dogs on the D-line to do that. So that's going to be their one saving grace is if they could put pressure on Mac Jones. I, 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 want, I, I want Justin Fields to win this game. I, I like Justin Fields. Um, I want to see a good game. I agree with, I agree with both of you that they're going to have to run the ball, play good defense. But we have we've seen uh, Ohio State's defense not play well in spots uh, this year, so we'll see what happens. Is there one player? Is there one player that Ohio State uh, uh, that they can count on, or that that we need to watch for to make a difference outside of Fields? For me, I mean, you got to look at the defensive line. You got two seniors, redshirt seniors, and Jonathan Cooper and Antoine Jackson. That, that's where I'm looking. If they're playing, if they don't, if they don't come down with the if the vid then they have to be able to put pressure. I think Cooper had a, a, a sack in uh, in the Rose Bowl game. A defensive line has to be – and they have to be able to put pressure with four because they have to be able to cover on the back end. This is not a team that I think you can blitz on, especially especially if Jalen Waddle plays, especially if Jalen Waddle plays because that secondary, Ohio State secondary, is not good. You have to be able to rush with four. It's going to start with those four, uh, uh, those four defensive linemen up front. Um, to get it done for Ohio State. Austin, is there one player that you think has to show out for Ohio State to pull it out? Well, just to follow up with that, this Jalen Waddle comeback just feels so much like that T.O. in the Super Bowl comeback. Yes, it does. Like yes, it that does. big injury, like this guy, you know, this guy comes back before the game and it just hypes like the rest of that team up. I mean, obviously we saw with the Eagles, they ended up losing that game, but it feels a lot like that. So I am really interested to see if he plays. Um, but my big guy is Trey Sermon. Like I like I was saying, I mean, I think to, he has to have just an enormous game. Um, it'd be and yeah, I mean, I, Ohio State's going to create a little bit for him. It's just he's going to have to, you know, they'll get him a couple yards and he's got to do the rest, and he's going to have to do it a bunch of times. So um, I'm looking for him, and if he does it, I mean, I it could really catapult his draft stock too. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of stick with uh, what Felix said there, and, and just to kind of go off that. So Ohio State actually has the number one rated defensive line in college football right now, which I don't think a lot of people realize because they're not getting that much that many sacks, but it's because of the pressures that they're putting on the players. They also have the uh, top rated uh, rushing defense as well, and it's not even close. The next closest is Michigan. It, it, I'm sorry, it's Penn State. Uh, but they, they've got a phenomenal defense I don't think a lot of people give them credit for just because we saw a team like Northwestern and Indiana. If you go back and look at that Indiana game, it was 35 to 
seven, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, at halftime. And then Ohio State just kind of came out there and was very – they let Indiana get back in the game. But I'm going to go to someone Felix mentioned earlier and Jameis, uh, Jamison Williams. Uh, I, I do think Bama's defense is going to try and force and, and try and cover Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And we saw Williams get open and Ruckert and Farrell. Again, those guys were the guys who were completely forgotten about. And we saw that in the game. Clemson paid no attention to either one of those guys, and, and they were huge for the Buckeyes. So those three guys, I think, are going to have to be the 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 guys that step up big because I think, obviously, going into this game, Bama's defense is going to focus in on Sermon, Olave, and, and Garrett Wilson. Let's pick the game. Let's pick the game um, with a score. I am going to go. I'm going to go Alabama 35-28. 35-28 Alabama. Austin, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going to say Bama like 38-24. I think Ooh. they pull away in the second half a little bit. Yeah. Ohio State, 42-27. The, the <laughs> video that you come up with if they manage to win. The, like I'm taking next week off from the show. I have no idea what's coming. It's going to be a 45-minute video. Reproduction, baby. Don't even worry about it. We're going to rewatch the entire game. Oh, and I might be shirtless. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> All right. This is our 12th episode. Um our audience has been tremendous. You all have supported the show and we just really want to thank you all from the bottom of our hearts, from the Debbie debate crew. Thank you for subscribing, rating and reviewing the show, following us on YouTube, watching the after show, interacting with us. Um, you know, we love doing this. We're going to keep doing this for you, but we wanted to say thank you. We've got this uh, Kyler Murray, Oklahoma Jersey, um, that we've obtained that we want to give out and anyone who uh, submitted a rate and review on Apple or Apple podcast is in this drawing and I'm going to hand it to Mr. Bruning. He's entered these names into the raffle. And if you watch the program, uh, how the uh, recruiting is done in, in that show, uh, that's how this is going to go. Mr. Bruning, I'm going to hand it to you. Yeah, so very easy. We went ahead and just plugged in everybody that we got uh, messages for, except for um, Mr. One Star. You did not email us. We would happily have put you in here. And uh, if you send me a message of your name, I promise that's not facetious at all. I will get you entered into the next raffle. But you did not send a message to any of us, so we can't uh, can't put you in here. But as you can see, we got 32 different names on here. Uh, so what we're going to do, because I know as, as me and Austin talked off air a minute or before the show, we know not everybody, I guess, has Twitter with some of the way that the reviews came in. So if you don't have Twitter, you can email the show. What is it? What is the show email, Austin? It is debate at gmail.com. All right. So if, if you are the winner and you don't have Twitter, you can email there and uh, Austin all the details, name, uh, address, all that stuff, so we know where to send it. And obviously, if you have Twitter, you can hit any of us up, hit up the show account, and uh, let us know. Uh, do we want to give any kind of timetable on this? You know, 48 hours, 62 hours to, to claim it and move on? Let's play it by – I feel like we should play it by ear. You know, somebody's okay. going to listen, you know, maybe next week. We'll play it by ear. Okay, so we'll give you at least a week, at least a week. By the time episode 13 drops, if you haven't claimed it, I'm keeping it. So – here we go. Pocket Polo. Pocket Polo. Congratulations. Um, that that is the the name that they they entered like the review under on Apple Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Not not Twitter. Yeah, it, I pulled everything off of uh, Twitter. 
or not Twitter, off the Apple podcast because it was just easier because I didn't get all the messages from some people. Some of you guys, I did not send it to me, and I assume didn't send to Felix or Austin. So I will admit um, really quick, if you're still listening, Holmes2715, I was really pulling for you, bro. I entered your name like six times on that list. Don't tell anybody else because I love the review that you gave me, so I appreciate that. But all right, so Pocket Paula, I don't know if you have Twitter or anything else, uh, just email one of us on Twitter or send the email to debbydebate at gmail.com. And once you do, we will get that Kyler Murray jersey sent to you. It is an Oklahoma jersey, and he signed uh, Heisman as well underneath his name. So it's a really nice jersey. Pocket Paula, give us a shout so we can get you the jersey. And again, just thank you to the audience. You guys have been tremendous um, from the get-go. We're only 11 shows in, and we're going to keep going all season long. And we're going to do other things for you as we go on. Hey, let's close the show, Mr. Bruning, with parting shots. We'll start with you. Got to button up the jacket. We're going to take this very seriously. Just so everybody knows, I'm not quite the, uh, the scribe that Felix and Austin are, so bear with me. Bear with me, please. I hope you guys enjoy this. So, Once again, we witnessed one of the best college football games of the year, a gutsy performance from a kid who was left for dead, was told he wasn't as good as half the country, no matter how hard I said you were being misled. Touchdown Jesus, the savior, greatest prospect since he last rose. Sunshine, the weird chick from TikTok, struggled once again. He's, uh, whom hopefully shaves his mustache because he looks like a movie villain accused of assault. Aw, Shuck stood his ground and looked lost and confused, whose ego in TikTok, TikTok game is likely now beaten and bruised. Regardless, I'll say we saw two future greats who will always be intertwined through their NFL future fates. Now we will look forward to Bama and the Buckeyes in a battle for the ship. You know your boy Matt will be here talking all kinds of shit. I'm hoping for a great game and that the Buckeyes put on a show so at the end of the day, we're all going to be sitting here going O-H-I-O. Man, that was impressive. You rhymed and everything. Thank you. Now I feel now I feel pretty inadequate going into into mine here. Um, all right, so uh, for as much football as the three of us watch, I think we can all agree that there is definitely the occasional player that slips through the cracks. You know, we we have our blind spots. It, it's just impossible for someone to keep track of 120 plus Division One college football teams, their depth charts, and all their scores, weekly box scores. It can be especially difficult the older we get once we get jobs, have families, and people that rely on us. 2020 especially has been a crazy year with everything pandemic related. The great thing about the Debbie community and the guys on this show as a whole is that they can help us fill in those knowledge gaps because and I, I can assure you for every one player I know well, there are likely two that I do not. Call it the Debbie Hydra, if you will, where one head is chopped off to reveal three more. If you guys can't tell, I watched Hercules over the weekend. So with that, I want to apologize to one Felix Sharp and to Ramondre Stevenson not only did I dismiss Felix's assertion that Stevenson could be a top back in this year's NFL draft class, I even responded that I thought he was too big to play the position. At one point, I even believed that I called him a chubby little guy. Although the NFL has changed in the past 20 years, you would think I would be more open to bigger backs, as Jerome Bettis is my favorite player ever and was someone I idolized growing up. I even met him a few years ago, and I just uh, kind of fangirled the whole time and embarrassed myself. But after watching several games of Ramondre's this past week and reading some analysis from numbers guys that I trust, I've completely come around. In fact, Stevenson is now my art 2021 RB4. So Felix, please accept my apology. I promise to be better in the future. You got to be mentally tough. That's what coaches will tell you. Discipline. 
You'll see the word painted like a banner in locker rooms. In fact, inside the Georgia Bulldogs locker room, composure is one of the mantras painted above the lockers from wall to wall in black, bold font. But let's get real here and point to the absolute hypocrisy of football coaches preaching to their players the need to maintain composure when they themselves have personally assigned get-back coaches. Yes, Kirby Smart had to assign another grown man the task of pulling Smart's pants just so that he doesn't accidentally run onto the field. Perhaps he gets too tired of walking up and down the sideline that he can't focus on where he is. Maybe he gets worn down from talking on a walkie-talkie for 45 minutes. Come on, man. Come on. You're 45 years old. Stand where you're supposed to stand. If you can't keep your composure enough to have your two feet where they're supposed to be, then how can you really expect your defensive line not to jump offside in a critical fourth quarter situation? He's not alone. Every team from Pop Warner to all 32 NFL teams have a get back coach, but for the team. But from what I can tell, only Kirby Smart and Sean McVay have their own personally assigned get back coaches. Gentlemen, be better. Be better. That is going to be our show for tonight. We are going to do, you guys ask for more content. We're going to give you more content. We're doing Debbie Debate Draft Profiles. It's going to be our draft profile series coming next week. We're recording soon. You can follow Matt at Sports Fanatic MB. Follow Austin at Debbie Dietz. Follow myself at Sharp Review. Email the show at DebbieDebate at gmail.com. Tweet at the show uh, at Debbie Debate. Apologies to Curb Curb Street. We ran out of time. We'll get them rescheduled soon. And may God bless America. Side of the field. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32. And that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter Renfro caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races, nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.